Blog Talk Radio. Father, 
we praise you, Lord, and we, oh, Lord, we so need to be able to trust you in totality. It could be a myriad of different challenges that we are presented, depending on our walk and where we're heading and what you've written in our books since before there was time. But we need you more than ever before. And Lord Jesus, may we focus our eyes on you. Turning over each day is an individual day, separating it from our concerns and our anxieties, and turning our entire surrender, our trust, and laying it within your hands, knowing that it's not only within your hands, Jesus, but it is in within the hands of our Father. And Matthew 19.26 says clearly that with God all things are possible. So when we believe that we have come to the end of our rope, when we believe that our health is deteriorating beyond um, what we thought might happen and it's concerning us, when we begin to worry, when we're in situations where we see similar to, you know, metaphorically similar to what's in Psalm 91, where people are just dropping on our left and our right, and then we embrace the, the hope that it won't come near us, while at the same time we also embrace Ecclesiastes 7.14, that both the good and the bad come from you, Father, and also that Jesus said that it rains on the just and the unjust. So we're surrounded and absolutely, uh, I don't know what you would call it, surrounded by, engulfed by, filled with, uh, overwhelmed with a lot of scriptures that in this time, in this very, very end of times period that we're in right now, certainly the very, very end of times period that uh, I would say is all-inclusive, even even including those who will be cast into the Great Tribulation, the Tribulation Saints, and the, ultimately the Grape Harvest. But in particular to those of us who have a deep hope that we might be chosen as part of the barley harvest and be able to come home just a wee bit earlier than those who you've chosen to stay behind, Father, or maybe maybe they needed a little more refinement. Maybe they didn't. Maybe you just simply chose them to stay behind because of their geographic locations or their state of readiness. Because so many people are going to die before the wheat harvest in the mega tsunami from the Ephraim Rodriguez meteor, we'll just call it that, which causes the great earthquake in Revelation 6.12 and Ezekiel 38, I think, around verse 14, I think. Praise you, Father. We thank you for the days that we're in right now. And we, we really mean it. We do praise you for it. We praise you for helping us. We know that you will. You're not a man that you should lie. We stand upon the promises of Mark 23. We stand upon the promises of John 12, uh, 13 and 14. Uh, sorry, John 14, 12, 13 and 14. We stand, about, uh, stand on so many other promises that are woven throughout your scripture in a tapestry of hope, but all with a condition. And that condition is one of surrender, falling in love with you, and having a childlike trust in wherever it is that you are going to take us. Even though it may mean great sacrifice from the earthly viewpoint, from that which we've been um, accommodated by through your mercy over our lives, but how much more so and how much closer are those who are clandestinely meeting inside of caves late at night because they have no other option other than death? 
Yet here we are in, in a spoiled land. And without considering even the dynamics associated with the endless um, categories of Christians that exist within Babylon the Great. We pray, Father God, that you will touch all of our brothers and sisters at some point real, real soon. There may be some that are unreachable, and we understand this. This is captured in, I believe it's Luke 8, verse 17. Father, we just... But for those that can be reached, we pray, please, in the name of Jesus, that you will increase our numbers so that we have more people praying in accordance with your will and also in alignment with what your scripture says that the days ahead are going to be like as we progress further into them. Father, we pray that you will also keep our hearts and our minds steady as we seek to come to that place where we truly have surrendered, which is really, really, really hard, and just handed it all over to you, knowing and believing deep in our hearts, even in an ocean of supremely challenging, agonizing um, uncertainty. We, we need to be able to come in a harmony with your presence in our lives where we truly know deep in our hearts that no matter what, though he slay me, yet we will trust you, Father. And no matter what it is that we appear to be going through or what we may be going through that appears absolutely beyond that which we're capable of dealing with, we just ask you, Father God, to continue to move us further along in our sanctification process where we are able to see the brush fire heading directly at our home, but also know and believe and trust with no questions asked that you are going to protect us, you're going to relocate us, that everything will be rebuilt, everything that we need will, will, will be there for us, and we'll be able to serve you and glorify you even if it means separation from those things which we derive in an earthly manner much comfort from and places on a path, places us on a path of well extreme discomfort but how many sayings are there out there and scriptures that support it that suggest that when we are in a place of comfort our comfort zone we are also containing ourselves in a place where we're unable to grow and move on to wherever it is you wish to take us. While all of us would want to be able to maintain our place of comfort, we must also embrace that it might may be your will that that place of comfort go away. Help us, Father, to be able to, through your anointing, we pray, that you will help us to supernaturally not only continue to fall deeper in love with you and more dedicated to every moment that we have to you, hungry to spend time on our knees, but also hungry to arrive at that point where we're no longer battling the flesh as much. I'm sure we will always battle the flesh. But as much, and that the vast majority of our time we are living in a place of peace, that we are truly not agonizing over the uncertainty that we have in our lives with whatever uh, godly cards have been dealt us, if for lack of a better uh, analogy or metaphor. But we just, you know, we got to be 
comfortable with being uncomfortable. We've got to be comfortable with being in your trust. We've got to be comfortable with everything that you may have lined up for us so that we're able to walk in your holy will. And that may require us to become many, many times a magnitude more uncomfortable than we are even as we are today. Which for many of us to even consider is beyond our own comprehension. Um, I believe, Father, that most of those of us who are being prepared for the days ahead or are just being adjusted, our, our mind states are being adjusted, not, not to necessarily move or change our dwelling place at all, but maybe just to change our de facto or the way that we, the way we feel automatically, not the way that we default to, not the fleshy feeling of anxiety and, and, and sleepless nights. That's the, de- that's the default. That's exactly where we're going to, that's where we will go to immediately upon any possible uh, negative and bad tidings. We will instantaneously in the flesh default and swing hardport to the negative output or the negative outcome, which is the flesh overcoming our spirit. And we pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you will anoint us in our struggle to be carefully and carefully walking on that straight path that you promise us, that if we trust in you in Proverbs 3, 5, that you will make our path straight. The promises that are woven throughout your Holy Bible, the very word, which is our Lord Jesus Christ, by by the Holy Spirit anointing of it, part of the Godhead, that which resides in our heart, the word which we write upon our heart, that we may not sin against thee. Father, that has to become a part of who we are, and it has to become automatic. We have to come to a place in our walk where we no longer default to the flesh, go into a state of panic, go into a, um, a state of not being able to sleep, concern and worry, even knowing that Job said, though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Even knowing that many of our predecessor brothers and sisters that lived in 380, 480 were being slaughtered, that there's even scriptures in the New Testament testifying that many of the Christians were even sawed in half alive. We have to come to a place where our relationship with you and our trust in you, Lord Jesus, and Father, God, our Abba Father, is so um, utterly dominant in our in who we become in the spirit, and it becomes utterly dominant, many times a magnitude stronger than our default flesh tendency to slip into the negative into the negative realm, as the scripture says uh, something I believe how it goes. Uh, you will not be afraid of evil uh, tidings. You will be trusting in the Lord. And Father, we need to come to that place in our walk. We need it to be the, the de facto response that we have to negativity. It needs to become the default response that we have to any negative thoughts. And we need to understand the power 
the life and death in the power of the tongue, the proclamation and the praise, that the walls of Jericho were brought down through praise, that the, that the, uh, that the cast iron gates were broken open uh, in the jailhouses over praise, and that the power of that praise is so beyond our most – we cannot comprehend the amount of power that is in praise. We simply cannot. We can read the scriptures, and we can believe that the walls of Jericho fall, fell through praise. We can read the scriptures and believe that the iron, uh, the, you know, the cast iron gates that were used to imprison Paul, and that they, that they broke open, the whole jailhouse broke open because of praise. But it's so very difficult for us to believe for some reason that through our praise and our worship that there is a unseen power that is released from the heavens on top of our petitions and our prayers and if we're able to, to speak in tongues, which is a whole nother precious gift that allows us to bypass the attempts of the darkness to stifle or hinder our prayers as they move through the spiritual realm. Father, we praise you for all the armament that you have given us, the understanding of the spiritual warfare that works so effectively on virtually in, in virtually all dynamics, no matter how um, overwhelming they may be. I praise you for that. I praise you for all of the things that you have helped us to learn, all of the scriptures that you've revealed, even just recently the, the revelation of the two women in Revelation chapter 12 and how both of them are taken away to a place of safety and away from the presence of the serpent where she is fed the marriage supper of the Lamb for times, times, and half a time the period of the Great Tribulation, and finally to understand after years of not knowing that those two separate women were the barley harvest and the wheat harvest. Father, you are amazing, you are merciful, and if we are patient and we trust you and we force ourselves to overcome our flesh tendencies, we force ourselves to burst into praise spontaneously. We force ourselves to rebuke the negative thoughts. We force ourselves to give you glory when the days seem darker and there's no escape. We force ourselves to thank you because we're certain that you are not a man that you would lie. We are certain of our Father, and even though we know that it is your, well, Father, your modus operandi, to come in at the very last split second, testing our faith as you did Abraham, we know, finally, and we praise you for helping us to understand these things, because if it wasn't for that understanding, we would be at a tremendous disadvantage in being able to deal with the journey that we're on, even now. We praise you for the advantage you have given us by imparting your wisdom on all of these paradoxical um, dynamics associated with our walk at this time. 
And we just ask you, Father, please, in the name of Jesus, more than anything, that you will anoint us, even before the massive outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon those of us who will be so anointed, uh, for the purpose of pleasing you and fulfilling your will and fulfilling the Scripture, that the Father may be glorified in the Son, and that many, many people will be brought to the marriage supper of the Lamb as guests, Matthew 22. Lord, we need a little more help for the days that we're in even now. We understand that it is clearly premature to expect a massive outpouring of the Holy Spirit, even though it's been prophesied and confirmed by multiple saints, trustworthy ones. But we recognize that it is not now. We recognize that it is not now because it is not helping us now. Therefore, we come to you and beseech you and supplicate before your holy throne and ask you to continue to anoint us, to sanctify us, to pray for us. If anything is true about the prophecies that I'm about to read, which I believe it is, and that's a rare thing nowadays, Father, if those things are true, and I believe they are, we're asking you for an anointing, a special anointing, that will accelerate our sanctification process. For we, Father, our walk, as you know, is more hindered and, and more of a struggle than our fellow brothers and sisters who do not understand all of the things that you have blessed us with. Ecclesiastes 1.18 And because of that additional wisdom, because of that additional knowledge, we operate at a great disadvantage. And naturally, knowing what you have imparted upon us, our fleshy tendency would to assume that wisdom and understanding as that which would be a catalyst to even more anxiety in our walk and our life dynamics, because we know what's coming. We don't know how soon, but it sure does look pretty soon more completely different soon dynamic than that which we've been experiencing for the last decade. Completely different. Nevertheless, it could be several years more of endurance on our part. Father, we pray that the anointing that we're asking you for, the acceleration of our sanctification process, will not only bring us to a de facto response, that is to utterly trust you and know that you have us in the palm of your hand, and that, Jesus, that you are not only advocating for us, but you are our friend, and that we are brands plucked from the fire. And to know this in our heart without any doubt, even if we trip and fall on occasion, we practice righteousness before Jesus. And we confess of our sins all the time, not just one day, once a day on our knees, but in a continuous state of a contrite spirit, self-examining, judging ourselves, seeking you, confessing, asking you to wash away, blot out all of our iniquity, all of our transgressions and sins, and, and to continuously restore us to a state of purity as we struggle on a wall. narrow path of today for those of us who have been blessed with the understanding that you have given us. A paradox as well. 
We praise you, Father, and we ask you for this anointing. We praise you, Father, and we ask you for an acceleration of our sanctification process. We praise you, Father, and we ask you for this extra help. Because surely you, Father, you of all, would know the magnitude of the burden that it places upon those of us who have been so blessed. Father, help us to be able to open the doors that you want us to open. And please, Father, slam shut the doors that you want us to have nothing to do with. Make it obvious. Help us to hear that still, small voice, that voice in our ear behind us saying that we should turn to the left hand or the right, that we should walk and be able to hear that still, small voice. I believe it's Isaiah thirty twenty one or something like that. Praise you, Jesus. Be able to hear it and know which direction to turn. But there would be no ambiguity in our choices. For now, Father, we are in a place where we're rowing the boat away from the rocks, doing the best we can to endure, but also with very little direction. Just that which your great mercy and incredible love would impart upon us one tiny step at a time, which we praise you for. We thank you for so much. Father, we praise you in advance, knowing that we we will receive the answers to these prayers. We know it, Father God, and we believe it in our heart, and for that we praise your holy name, we praise you, Jesus, and we thank you for accelerating our sanctification, accelerating our faith, accelerating all those gifts which you have bestowed and offered us when we need them most through through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And that it will become a reality in our lives where we truly do have perfect peace because our minds are stayed on you, because we trust you, Isaiah 26.3. We thank you, Father, because we need this more than anything for the days that we are in right now. Otherwise, as it says in some place of the scripture, can a, can, can a man praise you from the grave? Or something along that line. And we say the same thing, Father. Can we serve you the way you want us to serve you? If we don't receive that anointing, whereby we arrive at a new place in our walk, such that under great duress, we still trust you and we have great peace. And without your help, Father, how then can we transform that flesh through the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives so it becomes the default reality that we skip right over the negative outcomes and embrace what we know will be a positive outcome by utterly surrendering all and laying it at the foot of the cross. We praise you, Father, for answering these prayers. We know that you will. We will continue to praise you because we know that you will, and we refuse to doubt. We have no doubt, and we know that if the roads get bumpier than they are today, that the net end result will be one of great glory, with your eyes focused on our eternity, even though what we may have to experience 
will not appear to be benefiting our eternity. Strip away the fleshy part of our life. Renew our minds, Father, to an anointing of the Holy Spirit, we pray, and help us to find that place of true peace because we really, really do trust you, even though we know that it rains on the unjust, the just and the unjust. We thank you, Father. We give you praise. We praise you for the future. We praise you for the journey. We praise you for the revelations that you have given us thus thus far. We praise you for every bumpy, bumpy uh, thousand feet that we go on our narrow path. We praise you for every time we break through the guardrail and slip down the hill. We will not give up. We will continue to praise you because we know that you love us. And this is part of our journey. And we praise you and thank you, Father. We cannot thank you enough. And may every single person that has been perhaps blessed by listening to this prayer vigil, whether it's recorded or live, embrace the power of praise and worship. And understand that it is not just life-changing, not just destiny-changing, but eternity-changing. We give you all the glory and honor and praise forever and ever, Father. Thank you. Amen. Tonight is September the 9th of 2022, the 13th of Elul, 5782. And the next holiday, again, is Rosh Hashanah, September the 26th of 2022. Wouldn't this be an interesting year for something interesting to happen on Rosh Hashanah? Hmm. Now that I will embrace stronger than I will any of the nonsense about the Queen and all that noise. Oh, hallelujah. But... You know, that comes with 11 years of beatings and being wrong. And after a while, thank you, Jesus, maybe some of us will not do the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Praise you, Jesus. Father, we praise you for your word. We praise you for our understanding of your word. We praise you, Father God, for the end times unfolding before our eyes as a newspaper from your word. And we thank you, Father God, and pray for any of those who you are, through your mercy, and long-suffering are still using to some degree to, to prophesy your word and in such a manner that it should bless us um, and probably wouldn't bless a, the vast majority of our fellow believers because he wouldn't understand it very well. But for those of us who are where we are at our walk, uh, you know, even with the, the, the number of exits that might exist between the, all of us in the journey – We praise you, Father, for any word that we can receive from the throne that resonates with our spirit and aligns with the scripture, that's not alarmist, that doesn't consistently say over and over again the same things about the end times, but actually ministers to us, both the good news and the bad news, for a time such as this. We praise you, Father, for that, and thank you, Jesus. And tonight... It is now 7.32 p.m. on the east coast of the United States of Babylon the Great. Imagine that. I wonder how much. It's almost like uh, doing this prayer vigil show. is all, It kind of like tongue-in-cheek, I'm saying this. It kind of reminds me of that um, 
that old movie, um, Good Morning Vietnam, you know, if you remember that. It's a pretty funny movie. But anyway, um, why so? Well, think about it. The plot of the movie was about a funny guy on the radio that was ordered to go to Vietnam to cheer up the troops, right? Isn't it ironic in a sort of offbeat sort of coincidental way that it makes me wonder to myself if maybe, <laughs> maybe in a sort of interesting coincidental way that maybe my voice is a, is a type of, uh, you know, instead of good morning Vietnam, it's more like, Good morning, end times believers. Hallelujah. And today and tonight, together, whether we're listening live or to a recorded podcast, Father, hear us as corporate prayer before your throne, as a single voice, praising you and praying to you. And together we light the Sabbath candles. If we so desire, we don't have to, Romans 14, but we do in your honor tonight. I light three, one for the Father, one for the Son, Jesus, Joshua, and one for the Holy Spirit. I love that Angelical Zambrano pulls a chair out at her dining room table for the Holy Spirit every time she sits down. That's amazing. Praise God. I want to say a special word of thanks to those of you who have emailed me, you know, praying for my job situation uh, and things like that. Um, Susan, I'd like to thank you, and Dave, or I'm sorry, Mark, thank you very much. I know there's many, many others that I probably haven't heard from, or people that have just told me up front, you know, the fellow that I call West Coast Walter, his name's Jeremy, and many, many others, many, many others, and I just want to continue to encourage you and let you know that I am on my knees praying fervently for a tenfold blessing and anointing to come upon you for that. Personally, I believe, because of how strongly I believe in the power of, the power of prayer and our prayer mandate, our prayer mandate as believers, I shared with you the scripture, I believe, on the last prayer vigil. When I say prayer mandate, it really is. 1 Samuel 12:23 Moreover as for me far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you There's much more but I just wanted to say thank you to those of you who have encouraged and continue to lift me up because I believe with all of my heart and boy this one this isn't even a hard believe thing you know this isn't something that i have to pray for extra faith to believe in this is something i absolutely beyond any shadow of a doubt totally totally believe that if it wasn't for the prayers of you those of you who do even mention me even a little to the father because i know a lot of us have very large prayer lists i really believe that that is probably the only thing that has sustained me thus far um I shared with, uh, I forget who it was. Uh, oh, I do remember who it was. It was kind of, it was not, it, it wasn't a good feeling. But I shared with a believer, and she's very awesome. She prays for me a lot. Sometimes she even fasts for me, praise God. And, um, you know, I, I told her, I said, you know, if, if I get cut, I don't, 
you know. See, because when you know, here's the prop. The one of the problems, and I'm not I'm not boohooing, and I'm going to get off this subject immediately. But um, just to close the case, for those of you who do understand, then you do understand. For those of you who have never gone through it, then you won't understand, and that's perfectly fine too. But basically, what happens is when you're funding. Uh, the program, the website, the costs of, you know, the GoDaddy charges and the hosting and all of that other stuff, and you add it all up, blah, 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 blah. And then you look at your electric bill, you look at all the other things that you got to keep paying to keep the lights on, the fact that you no longer have health care. COBRA is insanely expensive. We're talking about even for an individual, something to 800 or $900 a month. That'll burn up your savings account so fast. Words cannot describe so Cobra's really out of the question. Um, but anyway, if if anything like that were to befall me, I would be thrust into a situation where I would have to do a cost analysis and immediate. And the, of course, the last thing I would want to do is stop serving God, which, by the way, adds additional anxiety and angst uh, to me over it because this is so precious to me. I, it's all I've ever uh, in the thousands for over last time I saw the show counter before we had to delete shows because of copyright infringement. Um, it was over 4000 programs. So by now, I mean, it's several years later, uh, it's probably at 5000, I suppose. And um, and I, I the idea of, you know, it, it's the anchor for me. And by the way, I've been told by others that it's kind of an anchor for them, that as the listeners of particularly this program, the prayer vigil, go through their daily lives and their challenges, which are vast, that this small, short span of time that we spend on the prayer vigil each week is is a period or a, a little piece of the week that deeply helps a lot of people to feel better. I'll just leave it at that because feel better could mean many, many different things to many, many different people. Um, And I had mentioned the challenge associated with trying to figure out how with no income, you know, you don't want to lose your house, right? You don't want the electricity to go off. You, you know, once that happens, now you now you got to pay like three months up in advance here in Tampa, Florida. Tampa Electric Company for a turn for you know for restoration of service requires you to front them three months of electric bills in advance just to get it turned back on. So the domino cascading effect that occurs is rather well, it's stunningly a. Horrific. It really is. The speed at which you can, it's called burning. It's a a business term, burn rate. The speed at which you can burn through your savings, burn through what teeny, I've already gone through these emergencies before in my life, and I've watched $40,000 disappear in three months. Okay, but I also said the heck with it, Lord Jesus, hallelujah, if I'm going down with my tail or my my uh, airplane wings on fire and I'm going to nosedive into the Atlantic, I'm going to do it seeding money into the kingdom and giving you glory, Father, and I did. So I just said, I'm going down. You know, the planes, 
<laughs> planes on fire. You know, I can see the water heading straight at me, and hallelujah. And I just started to, you know, on top of all the burn rate and, you know, and seeing, you know, the uh, inevitable, um, ev- uh, not eviction notice, but what do they call that, a uh, foreclosure notice, um, which, of course, at that point, you just have to sell. Because if you don't sell when you get the foreclosure notice, you're risking losing any anything that you might have. And then where do you go? For me, it's probably going to be an RV if that's what I have to do. But um, but I also recognize that that would cause hardships. Um, but that's okay. I, I love having a plan A, a plan B, a plan C. And I do acknowledge that saying, which is very true. And I know you're all going through things, not, maybe not every one of you, because it's staggered. Some people get respite for a while because they've suffered real horrible for years, and then God gives them respite, and they get a period of rest where they're not going through really hard times, and their spouses aren't beating on them and all that kind of stuff. And and that's a, that's a blessing, and I'm, I'm, I'm acutely in tune with those who communicate with me, whether it's via email at jbaptist777 at gmail.com or... Uh, through Hangouts, which is now called Google Chat, which is the same email, jbaptist777 at gmail.com. And I talk to people pretty regularly on that. And also a little bit on Facebook, although I, it's not my favorite place because it's so noisy. And, um, but I just, I don't know, I don't know. I just, it's, I don't want this to sound like, I just wanted to, to the, the idea of letting go of the show and you know i've i've deal with it very well i recognize that it could be possible and i i recognize that but i just don't want to believe that that would happen but at the same time as i do cost analyses associated with survival <laughs> i'm like going uh wow uh how am i going to pull this off kind of thing um, so anyway, I am working on plan, you know, because God, you know, man plans and God laughs, right? Amen. Man plans and God laughs. I'm not saying he's laughing at you like, ha, 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 so there. It isn't like that. That's not what that saying means. God's just chuckling and he's smiling from ear to ear, knowing that he has everything in control for you. Knowing that he's going to bring you to an expected end. Jeremiah 29:11, right? He knows that already. But you're sitting there counting numbers and making lists and checking them twice and do I keep this on and do I turn that off and what do I do if this happens and blah 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 blah. And God's up there probably I I would imagine smiling from ear to ear thinking to himself maybe even shaking his head a little bit and thinking to himself Oh, ye of little faith, what do I have to put you through that you will look back on your life and realize I was always there making sure that you had a parachute every single time? Our lives are full of cataclysms that never came true, are they not? Praise God. And a few that did. (laughs) Hallelujah. Anyway, praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We worship you, Father, across time and space from 
to your eternal realm, whether we are listening live or to a recorded, as a united voice before you in prayer and praise from around the world. Father, we love you. We love you, Father. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Father. We love you, Jesus. There's life and death and the power of the tongue, the power of the tongue. We love you, Father. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We trust you, Jesus. We trust you, Father. We thank you, Father. We praise you, Father, because we know that you have got an expected end to bring us to give you all the glory and praise and honor, both now and forever and ever and ever. Amen. The Hebrew Kaddish. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam Borei peri hagafen Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam Asher kitshanu b'mitzvotav v'ratzavanu V'shabat kodsho v'yavahu v'ratzon in Chilanu, Zikaron Lemase Vereshit. Ki hu yom techila lemikra e kodesh, zechelitiat mitraim. Kivanu vacharta, veotanu kidashta, mikol hamim. Veshabat kodshecha, beava uvratzon, himchaltanu. Baruch atah Adonai Mekadesh HaShabbat. Arise, my love, my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher place. For now is the time to arise and come away with me. For you are my dove, hidden in the split open rock. It was I who took you and hid you up high in the secret stairway of the sky. Let me see your radiant face and hear your sweet voice, for your eyes are so beautiful in worship, and your voice is lovely in prayer. You must catch those troubling foxes, those ones that are bugging at you all day long, those sly little foxes that hinder our relationship. They raid our budding vineyard of love to ruin what I've planted within you. Will you catch them and remove them for me? Lord Jesus, we need you to help us do it together. To dwell upon your 
In all he does are only righteous acts. Even in his heart he speaks the truth. And even in his heart he speaks the truth. No slander will you find upon his tongue, and never to his friend does he do wrong. His neighbor knows no insults from his lips. I've been praying an awful lot, and um, one of the things that, well, I've actually doubled my uh, prayer list, it looks like, almost, Um, but um, I've added a lot of requests, and one of them has been that our Heavenly Father would restore the um, relevance of at least somebody's prophetic word doesn't mean that any, none of us are perfect. None of us are worthy. 
Okay, all of us are seeped in sin, whether we believe it or not, we are. However, the um, that aside, I started to pray because I was like, Father, you know, we need relevant words. We need you, Father, to please release some relevant words, not just the same old hairy, scary, end times this, end times that, the world's going to come to an end, and basically it's just a prophecy that's based upon Scripture. And I'm like, well, this isn't especially helpful. If you read your Bible, you already know this stuff like 15th, umpteenth time over again. So, you know, I was asking, God, please, you know, can you give us something that's truly relevant to our walk at this time? And I've been doing, I've been praying this, you know, periodically uh, for, wow, probably about eight months. And when I'm on my knees, I can assure you that I'm no different than King Hezekiah, where God said to him in Second Kings 20, verse 5, I have seen your tears and I will answer you. Because it is heartfelt. How can it not be? I don't really understand, but that's okay. I've Believe me, I've come a long way. So and there's a lot of things I don't understand now that I, you know, thought I understood before. But praise God. So anyway, I wanted to share two prophecies, both from Wings of Prophecy, that are right on target, uh, and uh, they um, are uh, very, very, very relevant to our walk. At this moment in time, and it's not – here's the thing that's interesting is if you handed it – now, I'm not picking on anybody, but if you handed it to one of the, you know, the Seven Mountains Mandate folks in your family who are all pillow profiting and hugging white kittens, uh, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't accept it. They would – not only that, but the church teaches against a lot of these things. So if you don't have an advanced understanding of who the players and actors are in the Scripture, who the foolish virgins are, who the wise virgins are, you know, um, uh, who the uh, tribulation saints are, um, all that stuff. If you don't know who all the different ones are, then you know you would just it would be gibberish to you. You'd be like, "What is this? And where's the where's the happy stuff?" You know. But for those of us who know our word. We're not looking for the happy stuff, but what we're looking for is consolation, information, and guidance for what we already know we're going to have to go through, right? Amen. We're not looking to be placated. We're not looking to have somebody tell us something's more rosy than it is. Or, And then, of course, I, you know, I have to deal, and I know that you do too, with those out there who simply just do not understand. They seem to embrace or they overtly embrace this great revival that they're convinced is coming. But what they don't get is the revival doesn't come without the rise of the Antichrist. The darkness must rise first. Then the revival comes. But they don't understand that. They just start jumping around. There's going to be a revival. There's going to be a revival. And then they'll show a couple of scenes or some articles from CBN or whatever to back. The, Look, there's revivals breaking out everywhere. But a revival isn't meaningful if those who are attending the revival 
are doing it for all of, you know, for different reasons than they ought. If they're not seeking purity, repentance, and absolute surrender to God's will, they are out of alignment with the Word of God. Okay, and then that revival looks nifty on the article and gets everybody excited, but it's all for naught. A revival with tens of thousands of people who are not truly seeking the holiness and the will of God in their walk and don't even think that they have to or that they're somehow specially chosen because this country gives to Israel. That's not how it works, but that's what they believe. So anyway, in our walk, it is especially rare to get a word. And um, behold, I come seems to have disappeared from earth. Now, she may have got, I don't know why, um, you know, everyone believes they're hearing perfectly from the Lord, and that's fine, and every and we're all different. We're all in different walks in different places, and so be it. I have no opinion. I, I withhold adjudication. Praise Jesus. But I personally believe, and I have seen over the last 11, approaching 12 years, repetitive events whereby, and we've even brought these believers, many of them have been guests on the radio show, where they believed that they were chosen by God to set up a place of refuge, and they would go out and buy a big farm or something way off in wherever's land, and some of them went bankrupt. They jumped the gun, obviously. They, I don't know why, I don't, I don't really understand it, and you know what, like I said, I don't have a feeling about it. it there's no negativity in this heart, I promise you that. Only empathy and tears. All I can say is in my walk with the Lord, you know, I would only, I have a giant, um, again, it's just testimony I'm sharing, but I have a giant, a very large purple and gold five by seven flying Jesus flag in the front of my house. A very large, uh, you know, wine colored, burgundy colored Jesus sign with Isaiah 26, three on it, magnetic sign on the front of my door. I have a gigantic white Jesus sign on the back of my SUV. And if I did have to start my own business, heaven forbid, but if I do, I'm just going to have to service Jesus freaks <laughs> because the rest of them would be like, I'm not doing business with that nutbag, but I don't care. It's not coming off, period. End of story. Thank you, Jesus. But it's huge. You can see it from 200 yards back on a, on a, on a bridge, but it ain't going nowhere. Staying with me. Praise God. So anyway, my point is this. I just don't see things in the same set of eyes that many other believers see them. Many believers seem to feel that God is telling them to go somewhere or to hide out or to pull down their public web presence or, you know, run away from some death threat or whatever. And I'm like, since when? I I, I look at the, the 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 Bible, the Book of Acts, the things that the the you know the apostles went through and everything. I you know I I don't see that. I don't see it anywhere there. Not not a single instance of it. Not a one. Not a one. Not a one. I see people like Stephen getting stoned to death because he would not relent, and he stood there and continued to preach about Jesus in front of the Jews until they killed him. 
I see the sons of thunder standing on a rock in a giant crowded square in the middle of Jerusalem, preaching Jesus, knowing that they may die. That's what I see, and that's what I want to be. And I think that's what God wants all of us to be. I just don't see our Father. This is just me, but I just don't see our Father saying, hey, run and hide and go do something else, you know, whatever. I've seen, I, 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 could, I think it's about probably five or six very powerful believers with great testimonies do exactly that. Believe from the bottom of their heart that God said they're supposed to sell everything they have, go buy this farmland out in the middle of nowhere, because it's going to be a place of refuge, and go bankrupt. You know, literally lose everything so that they can't even continue to minister to the Lord. They have to start from scratch all over again. I just struggle with this. Now, I used to be, and and I admit it openly, I was of that mindset in earlier in my walk, I was like, oh, no, run and hide. Oh, no, they're going to come and get me. Oh, no, the helicopters. Oh, no, this, you know, and, and then I thought to myself, no, no way. That is not, if we know who our Father God is, and we believe in him, and we believe in his divine protection, if we are not, what are we running from? Glory? We're running from heaven? Really? This... I will never run from heaven. Even if it means i got to take a beating to my death, I will not run from heaven. Now, a little common sense is in order sometimes, you know, but just flat out, you know, making a run for it, I, I just don't feel like that's a God thing. I just don't feel that way. Not in my heart anyway. And maybe it's just my own unique walk and my own unique calling. I don't know the answer to that. I'm not saying that this is that people who chose to do such things are are out of alignment with God's will at all. I am not saying that. I'm just saying in my walk, I have no taking down that sign. I'm not taking down any of my signs. I'm not taking the vinyl off my car. And I see the persecution rising, and it doesn't bother me a bit. They can come and get me. They can rip me out of my car, beat me to a fruit juicy pulp, and send me to heaven right now, and I'll be singing praises to Jesus all the way. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Because that's what my Bible says. And the only thing that you can trust nowadays, this is why I know, and I don't know why the devil has sent more than one person to me accusing me of having a radio show where I promoted and supported the concept of the Mandela effect. I did not. It is a lie from the devil. I had one guest who I will leave nameless, who I like a lot, and he came on a second time, and he started going off unannounced. He never warned me, and he started going off on the Mandela effect for like an hour, and I was sitting there just biting my nails and gritting my teeth, but I could not embarrass that man publicly and tell him he was not hearing from the Lord and it was a bunch of baloney. I wouldn't do it publicly. So if that means that it, the, 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 the people got the impression that I believe in that nonsense, it, I absolutely do not. In Jesus' name, no way. And here's why. The last thing God would allow to have happen is to call into question the integrity of his word. And I rebuke anybody who's out there saying that stuff. May you correct your course in Jesus' name. 
Hallelujah. Now, all that being said, oh, thank you, Jesus. I want to share with you two prophecies from Wings of Prophecy, and these are exactly what I was praying for. And I'm going to start with one that's entitled Above All. From squinting my eyes, September the 8th, it looks like. Wait a minute. I'm going to squeeze my squeeze in a little closer. i got to really squint my eyes. I'm getting too old. My 1.5 readers are starting to fail, <laughs> especially when I get tired. But anyway, okay, listen to this. This is awesome. Above all. Many of my children prepare now for what is to come. You are wise to prepare for the future, my children. But did you consider you will not be present here in that time? You who strive to do all of my will, who work tirelessly for me, by the way, that can be in prayer too, who have laid down all fleshy desires to obey me, those of you who led many souls to me, and that can be through prayer too, you will be here with me, safe from the evil that is coming, for I do not desire you would witness it. Now, this would only be by the way, you have to know the actors, the players, the metaphors. You've got to know who's who in the Bible. When you're reading all the parables and the stories and the metaphors, you've got to know who's who. Otherwise, this will not make sense. But to me, it makes perfect sense because I know who's who in the Bible. This is talking about the barley harvest. This is talking about the first fruits rapture, the first watch. You who strive to do all my will, who work tirelessly for me, and I'm adding, and that can be through your prayer lives and ought to be through your prayer lives, by the way, who have laid down fleshy desires to obey me, those of you who lead many souls to me, through prayer too, just please don't forget, praying for the salvation, look, Maurice Sklar, I know these prayer vigils are are loaded and jam packed, pregnant with testimonies for me. But I'm, I, it, I got to tell you these things. You got to know these things. I, I, they're things that I've mentioned in the past, and sometimes I don't re-mention them, and I need to. When Maurice Sklar, one of the times that Maurice Sklar was taken to heaven, he was walking along some place in heaven. There were people about, and a young man came running to the top of a hill and yelled across to Maurice while he was there. He said, Maurice, Maurice, I wouldn't be here right now if you hadn't prayed for me. Prayer is the fastest and most efficient way to save souls. It bears more fruit in saving souls than any other form of ministry, as far as I can tell. And it reaches parts of the world that missionaries can't reach, although because of the sacrifice that missionaries make for God, he rewards them 
magnanimously in heaven, which is very cool. The, the prophecy then ends with, above all, I desire you would lead more souls to me. This is more needful than preparing for a time that you will not see. Praise God. That's an amazing prophecy. Thank you, Jesus. And that was for the barley harvest. The first fruits harvest, the first watch, praise his name.
God. This is the second prophecy, which is directly relevant to our walk, precisely what I was praying to the Lord for for about eight months, you know, periodically, and um, directly relevant. So I'm going to go ahead and read this, praise God. And the title of this one is Rest Now. My children, rest a little while while you can for the enemy has begun his plan to truly wear you out now <laughs> when i just when i read that i um <laughs> i i really just laughed in um absolute utter disbelief <laughs> because um I'm pretty much about as worn out as anybody can get. As a matter of fact, I just got scheduled to fly to Phoenix, which is like my least favorite place in the entire United States. Um, and the flights are just absolutely horrible, which means, oh, gosh, it's just it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. I'm not going to cry at my Wheaties about all of it. I'm just going to go and do it. Whatever, whatever. So, and I'll just count on your prayers. But anyway, it says, my children, rest a little while. I'll try not to giggle. While you can, for the enemy has begun his plan to truly wear you out. Which, all I can figure is I'm going to drop dead in the airport. (laughs) Hallelujah. Next one is, uh, already many of you feel weary, as though you cannot keep going. Yet you must. You are all so very close to the finish line. Do not abandon the race. Your rewards are just ahead. Hold fast to your faith in me that no man would take your crown. All of heaven is cheering you on and you shall know great honor when you arrive here in your forever home. All heaven is cheering us on. Praise God. Hey, there they are right now. Cloud of Witnesses. Glory to Jesus. Sends chills down my spine. Woohoo! All right. A little bit of fun with prophecy tonight. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Because that's kind of an ominous, double-edged sword sort of a prophecy. Anyway, praise Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Wow, this isn't for our time today. Matthew ten thirty-five to 39. For I have come to set man against his father, daughter against her mother, daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And the man's enemies will be those of his own household. You don't say. <laughs> for, for, who, who, for he who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Well, you know, where did Jesus go with his cross? He who seeks to, you know, he who finds his earthly life will lose it. Lose what? Lose his earthly life? If he finds his earthly life, why would he lose his earthly life? That doesn't make sense. It's got to be talking about eternal life. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Well, when Jesus carried his cross, where was he going? 
to lose his life. <laughs> right? So we have to get to a place where we're totally abandoned to losing our lives. That's where we reside. That's that's our destiny. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Isaiah fifty seven fifteen. For thus says the high and lofty one I love this, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in a high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit. To revive revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. The word contrite means feeling or expressing remorse or penitence affected by guilt, having a broken and contrite heart. Synonyms are remorseful, repentant, penitent, regretful, full of regret, and sorry. I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit. That's who I want to be, because I want to dwell in the house of the Most High. Don't you? Sure you do. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is God's mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. That's a pretty long distance, isn't it? And then you have Isaiah 20, you know, 41, 30, uh, 25 that I love a lot. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. See, this is a classic case where there's yet another paradox in the Scripture because some Scriptures are addressing certain groups of Christians and believers, and other Scriptures are addressing other groups of believers. So you'll frequently run across a believer who is familiar with the scriptures that say we will all have to give an account for every single thing that we said or did or da 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 da. And they'll be doing it in a rebuking sort of a finger shaking way. And they'll be like, you're going to have to give an account for every single da 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 da. And I'm like, well, if that's true, then Psalm 103, 14, 11 through 14 is a, is, a, is a dirty lie and a fib, and so is Isaiah 43, 25. Or be that they reconcile beautifully with complete holy harmony, because some of these scriptures are for those who walk in a continuous state of self-examination with a penitent and contrite spirit, knowing that they're fortunate and blessed to be even maybe considered to be the tax collector instead of the Pharisee. Knowing that they're unworthy, knowing that they don't have a shot without the mercy of Jesus. Feeling zero entitlement at all. And that is not the mindset of churchianity. It's not. Not at all. Isn't it fascinating how when you look at these scriptures and you say, wait a minute, that is in direct conflict 
with people having to give an account for every little thing that they said or did. Well, guess what? There's different groups, part of the first fruit barley harvest, and you're continuously confessing of your sins with a contrite spirit and tears before God. What's Jesus going to do? Say, hey, thanks for repenting and thanks for confessing and thanks for crying out to me, but you've got to give an account for everything that you did. You know, that's not my friend. That isn't my Lord, and that isn't the love of my God. Now, I'm not fool enough to think that there aren't those who will, because there are those who will. But those who fear God, those who trust him, and those who do everything they can to follow, not perfectly, not perfectly, but as best as you can, always striving and praying to get better and better and better, and working hard at it, desiring to walk in God's will because you love him. Believe me, I can I simply cannot reconcile the idea of being thrown up against the wall. Spread your legs. I'm going to frisk you. You're in big trouble. You better tell me why you did all this stuff. You know, it's just not going to be that way. There's no way. Now for some who maybe have to squeak in by the chin, skin of their chinny chin chin at the beam of judgment seat because they were disobedient for the most part in their entire walk, because they believe the lies of churchianity, I can see where that would be very relevant and highly likely. In fact, testimonies of people who had seen that happening, like uh, Pastor Roderick Pickens, um, it was pretty horrific. The people that were standing in front of Jesus uh, at the beam of judgment seat to gain entry in that uh, heaven, it was a horrific scene. And there were those believers that had offended the Lord so greatly that the Lord threw them into the pit. People on Facebook doing awful things, uh, disparaging one another, fighting amongst one another, publicly saying things they should not be saying. Jesus just said, forget it. I am not sending you to the pit because of... Uh, what that, because of the fact that you said that one thing on Facebook, I'm sending you to the pit because you led hundreds of others to the pit by what you said on Facebook. Get it? Now you know why I deeply dislike Facebook for Christians. I know some people use it for ministry work and do wonderful things, and that's fine, and that's between them and the Lord. But as for me and my house, we will avoid Facebook. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. All right. Praise God. Anyway, a little bit of tongue-in-cheek humor there, but nevertheless, very relevant for all of our walk. I pray that you were blessed by those two prophecies because gives us a little heads up. We may be in a little, and boy, when I say little, I mean a little period of respite. And you might say, well, I don't feel like I'm in a period of respite. I don't. I feel like I'm being, you know, chastened by the Lord, or I feel like I'm being throwing through the refiner's fire, or I feel like, you know, the, the Satan won't let up on me or whatever. Okay? Which all may be true. Because we're all in different places. 
But what this, I believe what this is actually referring to is not each individual's, not each individual believer's current challenge and tribulations. I think what this is referring to possibly is that we might see a period of time, have no idea how long that is, is it months, is it years, where the acceleration of Christian persecution, martial law, and a lot of the things that we know are lined up for us might not happen for a little while. Like we might have a period, a period of time where we're not so, you know, distracted ducking meteors, you know, or earthquakes or whatever, or martial law soldiers, you know, that we can, that maybe this is referring to a short period of time, short, that we might have to draw in closer to the Lord in our prayer, to serve him as it says to, to pray and and bring down salvation through our prayers to those who are lost, even as we deal with our trials and tribulations and trips to Phoenix. (laughs) I had to throw that out there. So it's a two-legged flight. There's always a thunderstorm. The plane always gets delayed. The second flight doesn't. And then next thing you know, oh, man, this is awful. I'm too old for that stuff. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And on that note, let's lift the Lord up in praise.
Please cleanse and totally purify our heart, our soul, our spirit, our mind, our flesh, our record-keeping books in heaven and our robe and gown in heaven with your blood and, Father, your holy fire. We declare in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, the holy fire of God, to purge through our households, our dwelling places, to weld shut all portals, to weld shut and destroy any weaponry, earthly or spiritual, to vaporize any fiery darts. We decree in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ that any enemy, worker of Satan, live or dead human spirit, member of a witch coven, anything that cannot call Jesus Christ its Lord and Savior, that at the very moment that they set their wills against us, We decree the holy fire of God to shoot down from the glory pillar in the throne room of God and burn them in the screaming agony, making a public spectacle of them thereof. In accordance with Colossians 2.15, in Jesus' name, we bind before the courts of heaven, Colossians 2.15, against these demons of darkness, and we declare that they shall be burned by the holy fire of God and scream in agony and scatter the darkness in all which directions in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We declare the holy fire of God to swirl around about our dwelling place intermingled with the whirlwind of the Holy Spirit to blow it white hot. We declare in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus and plead with the courts of heaven for the assignment of very large, powerful, and scary warrior angels to stand guard at our dwelling places and to follow us wherever we go. We plead, Father God, in the name of Jesus, for the assignment of a platoon of warrior angels on a search-and-destroy mission to ferret out all attempts to come against us that are indirect, that are out of our purview, that we do not even know are occurring, to find them, to shut them down, and to eliminate them in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Father, we pray Nehemiah's prayer, Nehemiah 111. O Lord, Father, we all pray, please, let your ear be attentive in the prayer of all of your servants and the prayers of those of your servants who desire to fear your name. Let, O Father, all of your servants prosper in this day, not monetarily, Father, necessarily, but to prosper in a way that we can serve you. Because we can't serve you if we're ducking meteors and trying to save our dwelling places and trying to figure out where we're going to get our next meal. Father, we praise you and ask you to allow us to prosper in a way that we can serve you unhindered, we pray. And we ask you to grant us mercy in the eyes of those who have been placed above us. For who is man that we should be concerned about him? Our fear is only in you, Father. And we don't want to disappoint you, because we love you. Give us mercy, Father. 
Proverbs 21.1. The king's heart is in the hands of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, you turn it wherever you wish. And we pray, please, turn those waters in our favor, that you may be glorified in the works of your servants. In Jesus' name. Principalities, powers, and strongholds, spiritual hosts of wickedness, and rulers of darkness in high places. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, we exercise the rule of the victor, the Lord Yeshua Jesus Christ, over all demonic regions that have set their wills against us. We exercise the rule of the victor, the Lord Jesus Christ, against any demonic regions that have permitted these spirits in or through their territory. We command that they be immediately cut off from ever receiving power from the kingdom of darkness again. We require the immediate disbursement of all of their funds from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We require the immediate destruction of all their books, artifacts of sorcery. May they be vaporized by the fire of God. We require the immediate reversal of all their schemes, cancellation of all of their assignments, the ripping up of all of their demonic contracts against us. Penalties applied. We cast them into the pit. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, we declare the holy fire of God to weld the pit shut. We declare the holy fire of God to permeate the pit and to burn them in horrific agony. And we plead the blood of Jesus to seal the pit, for only the Lamb of God can break the seals. Holy oil. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of the Father, and the Son, the Holy Spirit. Father, we consecrate ourselves into your complete ownership, Lord Jesus, directly into your hands, spirit, soul, all yours. We renounce all things spoken of in the darkness against us. We declare the abundant grace of God, the living water, the crystal river, to flow deep inside of our hearts and to purify us. Now, knowing these things, brethren, let us cleanse ourselves of all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God, 2 Corinthians 7.1. We plead the blood of Jesus to cleanse us completely and entirely with your purity. We declare that no weapons raised against us shall exist. The fire of God will vaporize them. We rebuke the devil, the demons, and all darkness, all evil thoughts, all negative thoughts, and we cast them into the pit. Cancel all demonic assignments against us by the authority of the name of Jesus. We break all yokes of bondage and all curses placed against us, and we decree that platoon of search-and-destroy warrior angels to ferret them out, to strike them down. And we declare the holy fire of God, a thorny hedge of protection around about us on all sides, a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit to blow it white hot, punching through the spiritual realm, scattering the darkness in all directions, melting through the firmament of the rock, and entering directly into the throne room of God in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Father, we abandon ourselves into your hands. Do with us what you will. Whatever you may do, we praise your holy name. For, Father, we are trying, we are struggling, we are praying for anointing to be ready for all and to accept all. We, Father, pray that only your will will be done in us. We want no more than this. Father, into your hands we commit our souls, we commit our spirits, we offer it to you with the love of our heart. Because we don't have nor do we desire any other place to put our trust. Thank you, Father, for bringing us to a place on the edge of the abyss of earthly ruin so that we seek you fervently from the bottom of our heart. We thank you, Father, for making us go through, well, the 
valley of the shadow of death so we can understand what it means to fear no evil and to understand why your rod and thy staff comfort me. And why? What was the rod for? It was to smack the butt of the sheep that wasn't listening. Thank you, Jesus. And what was the staff for? To pull the neck of that sheep that kept on trying to veer off the, the, the narrow path. Comfort us with your rod. Comfort us with your staff. And help us to understand you are always there. With boundless confidence, we commit ourselves into your hands. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Father, that you may be glorified until death and the flesh does us part. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.
you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light, who were once not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you are also called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And finally, brethren, 
whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, and whatever things are of a good report. If there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate upon these things. He, our Lord Jesus, went a little further and he fell on his face and he prayed, saying, O my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Matthew 26, 39. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by the angels, preached amongst the Gentiles, believed upon in the world, received up in the glory. 1 Timothy 3, 16. We pray for purification based upon Psalm 51, 1 through 14. Father, we pray that you will have mercy upon us. We believe that you will. We're trying. Help us to grow. Increase and accelerate our sanctification. We beseech you to pour out a special anointing to make us stronger, to give us more assurance, to help us to serve you even better each day. We pray, Father, that according to your loving kindness and tender mercies, that you will please blot out all of our transgressions, all of them. Wash us thoroughly from our iniquity and cleanse us from our sin. Father, we confess of our transgressions. Our sin is always before us. Against you. Father, you. You only we've sinned and done this evil in your sight. That you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Oh, Father, behold, we were brought forth in iniquity, and in sin our mothers conceived us. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Have you ever considered that those words, in sin our mothers conceived us? See, to me, that implies, well, let's just say it's pretty deep. I'm not going to distract What's the mystery of the Bible right now? But that's pretty deep right there. Behold, Father, you desire truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden part, you will make us to know your wisdom. Purge us with hyssop and we shall be clean. Wash us and we shall be whiter than snow. Make us your joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from our sins, Father. Blot out all of our iniquity and create in us a clean heart, a new heart, 
a new mind, a cleansed spirit. Renew that steadfast spirit within us, Father. We know you won't cast us away from from your presence, and we praise you for that. And we never want to grieve the Holy Spirit. We pray for your help. And that, Lord God, we pray that you will restore to us the joy of your salvation by helping us to realize that this is all part of our walk. Uphold us with your generous spirit. And then we will be able to touch other people's lives. And people will be converted to you. Deliver us, Father, from the guilt of our past sins forever. And then we will sing your praises to the day that we are blessed by standing in your holy presence. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. the Lord's Supper, Holy Communion. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In that same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes for you. Ani, Vadodi, Vadodi, Lee. I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine.
Ain't no 
are the sons of God. We are the masters of the devil. And we are the servants and foot watchers of mankind. Ezekiel 22.30 So I sought for a man amongst them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land, but I should not destroy it. But I found no one. Isaiah 6, eight. Also, Father, we heard your voice saying, Whom shall I send who will go for us? Father, here we are. Send us. Isaiah 43.25 Our Father said, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Put me in remembrance and let us contend and work together. State your case. Confess of your sins that you may be acquitted. John fourteen twelve to 14 One of my favorites. Jesus said, Most assuredly I say to you that he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do, because I go unto my Father. Well, the greater part is interesting because Jesus gave a hall pass to the demons. They said, Have you come to punish us before your time? Or in our time? And Jesus kind of like cut him a break and cast him into the swine. And I'm like, I'm not cutting any demons a break. No siree. Nope. I don't care. Whatever kind of beating I got to take in order to punish the demons, but after all the things that they put me through, hallelujah, greater things than these will we do. Thank you, Jesus. Bring on the purple heart. And whatever you ask in my name, verse 13, that I will do for you, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Well, Sounds like a promise to me, but there is a catch, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Do you think that carries on to the other promises in the Bible? Yeah, it does. Ephesians 3.20, this is awesome. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Thank you, Jesus. So all the power of Jesus, who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Now that's some pretty heavy-duty stuff. Above all that we can ask or even think of. According to the power that works in us. Whoa. A low power. Thank you, Jesus. There was the... Um, we tried to bring him on the radio show, but it was just bad timing, I guess. But there was a, uh, he was on uh, Sid Roth. And uh, when he was eight years old, he was a drug dealer, a rapist, and a murderer. Well, his mother didn't know that. But she figured that he was up to no good because he was running around getting in a riffraff. So she would continue to pray for him every day. She would get on her knees beside her bed and um, pray, I'm sure, fervently and possibly and likely in tears, asking for God to please save the soul of her son. 
She didn't know that as she was on her knees praying to the Lord for the salvation of her son's soul, that he was actually in hell burning at the time. For he had been shot in a drug deal and killed. And there he sat with his flesh burning, melting off of his body, screaming in agony, while his mother prayed for the salvation of his soul. And God sent an angel down to get him and bring him back to life. And he went on to become a preacher. Now don't you tell me you can't show me the scripture anywhere in the Bible and I can show you plenty of scriptures and plenty of testimonies that make it abundantly clear that there is absolutely nothing stopping you from praying for somebody who has passed away. Don't believe the lies of the preachers out there. Don't believe the lies of the theologians out there. They are wrong. Pray for all of everybody, even those who have passed. That's why Paul did not reprimand the Church of Corinth for baptizing the dead. He just basically said, hey, you're over there baptizing the dead. Well, you ought to be over here doing this, that, and the other thing. But he never told them not to baptize the dead. He never reprimanded them. Reprimanded them about every other thing under the sun, but he never said one negative thing about that. But we miss it. Because we got preachers and theologians telling us that it is appointed to a man to serve or to live once and then face judgment. <laughs> we have just been so utterly lied to. And really unwittingly, it's not that they mean bad, it's just they're ignorant, incredibly ignorant. And they cancel out the magnitude of the power that we were given through the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But they don't even realize they're doing it. Intensified prevailing prayer is God's ordained law and method for implementing his redemptive plan in this age until Jesus returns. It is the highest, the holiest, and the mightiest effort of which a child of God is capable. Hallelujah. It is God's chosen way to bring heaven's power, heaven's resources, and heaven's angels into action upon the earth. Charles Spurgeon says, he who knows how to give, overcome with God in prayer has heaven and earth at his disposal. Intensified prayer is clothed with the might of God himself. Leslie L. Duell, Mighty Prevailing Prayer. That's the name of the book. Wish I had time to read the rest of it. That was actually given to me by somebody who thought I prayed too fervently. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> anyway, James five sixteen b the effective fervent prayers of a righteous man avails much. Fervent meaning having or displaying a passionate intensity. Synonyms are impassioned, passionate, intense, vehement, ardent, sincere, fervent, and heartfelt. We cast out demons. Mark sixteen seventeen to 18 says, And these signs will follow those who believe. Are they following you? In my name they will cast out demons. 
They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything, ingest anything, ingest anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them, like the viper that bit Paul's hands in Malta. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Maybe not immediately. Believe. Second Corinthians 10.4, for the weapons of our warfare are not earthly. Knives and sticks and stones may break our bones and pepper spray and stun gun. We don't need any of that stuff because they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds and casting down arguments of every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Thank you, Jesus. And finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but instead we wrestle against principalities. We wrestle against powers. We wrestle against rulers of darknesses of this age. We wrestle against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen a wrestling match, but there wasn't nobody hiding in the corner praying. <laughs> it's pretty. There's a lot of wrestling going on, a lot of throwing them around, tossing them here, tossing them there, pinning them down, holding them down. Pretty, pretty. You know, really, it's borderline. I mean, it's pretty heavy duty stuff if you go to a right, you know, proper wrestling match. Praise God. All right, Mark nine twenty five. When Jesus saw the people come running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, "Deaf and dumb spirit." I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Now, that is supportive of two other scriptures, spiritually discerned. It is supportive of talk to the mountain. You don't say, dear Heavenly Father, please rebuke those demons and make them go away. Ain't going to work. It ain't going to work. Good luck. Forget it. Ain't going to happen. We talk to the demons. We command the demons out. You, out. Ugly, out, stinky, out, stupid, out, in Jesus' name. Now, I don't need to know your name. I know you are unclean, and I command you to come out. Come forth in the name of Jesus Christ. Matthew twelve twenty eight. But if I cast, Jesus said, but if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his demonic goods, unless he first binds the strong man and kicks him out, and then he will rip the subordinate demons out of the person. Yes, that's the Johnny Baptist translation. <laughs> Praise God. Matthew twelve forty three to 45. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes to dry places seeking rest and finds none. And then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Why? Because the demons were just cast out. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than themselves in the inner and dwell there. And the last day of the man is worse than, his, than the first. So shall it be with his wicked generation. Why? Because they failed to go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon them. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. So many wonderful scriptures here. They're all wonderful. Zechariah 3, 1 through 7. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest. Wow. High priest. It's pretty high, isn't it? Isn't that like the highest, highest you can go? It's like high priest? It's pretty high. The high priest, Joshua, standing before the angel of the Lord. Where? In the courts of heaven. 
and Satan standing on his right hand to oppose him. The accuser of the brethren who accuses the brethren both day and night. Well, where does Satan accuse? From the pits of hell? No, he's standing in the courtrooms of heaven because he has not yet been cast down to earth for the great tribulation. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this man Joshua the high priest not a brand that I've plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and standing before the angel. Hmm. That's odd. Then our father answered and spoke to those who stood before him, Take away those filthy garments from him. And to him he said, See, I've removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich robes. And then our father said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head. They put the clothes on him. And the angel of the Lord stood by. And then the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua and said, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, If you walk in my ways, and if you will keep my command, then you shall also judge my house, and likewise have charge over my courts. Yes, I will put you in charge of them. And I will give you places to walk here. Amongst all of these minor gods who stand before you. Wow. Now, that isn't some really deep stuff. I don't know what is. Praise Jesus. Hebrews 12, 22. This is talking about heaven. I'm not talking about earth. You have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God which is in heaven, by the way, the heavenly Jerusalem. Well, there you go. Kind of give it away there. To an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly. It's a type of a congress. And the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. That's the elect of God. Psalm 82. The God and judge of all. The Most High, El Elyon. To the spirits of men made perfect. That is the saints made perfect through Christ's blood. And Jesus, the mediator, the advocate, the lawyer. Of the new covenant, the internal contract. To the blood of the sprinkling of things that th speak better things than that of Abel. I hope so. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, we each symbolically hold up a golden bowl of forgiveness before you. On behalf, we're going to pray for Europe, Father. For Europe is just in a really awful situation right now. Father, we hold up a golden bowl of forgiveness before you symbolically, and we pray, please, Father, forgive the peoples of Europe from the far western sides of Ireland to the far eastern sides of the Ukraine. To the far northern sides of Norway, yeah, where the Svalbard uh, <laughs> seed vault is, Father. And to the southern sides of Cyprus and all lands in between. Every nation, tribe, and tongue, Father, the good and the bad, we pray, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. None of us do. But they especially. Father, the lost, they have no idea what they do. And we pray for your mercy upon them. Forgive them, Father. For as your servant Nehemiah did in chapter 1, verse 6, and as your servant Daniel did in chapter 9, verse 25, as they confessed of the sins of the peoples of the lands of Israel, 
Father, we confess of the sins of the peoples of the lands of Europe. We confess of the sins of their first fathers and their fathers' fathers until before there was time. We break all yokes of bondage. We renounce all things spoken of in the darkness by the accuser against them and the demons. We renounce them. We break all yokes of bondage. We break all generational and bloodline curses throughout every branch of their family trees until before there was time. As a royal priesthood, they are broken in Jesus' name. We part the spiritual realm as the Red Sea above the lands of Europe for safe passage for heaven's angels, heaven's resources, and heaven's power to move freely and unhindered into the lands of Europe to serve you, Father, and to do your will. Let us contend together. Praise you, Jesus. Principalities, powers, and strongholds, spiritual host of wickedness, and rulers of darkness in high places above the lands of Europe, we come against you. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus and by the blood of the Lamb of God, we sever your heads with the sword of the Spirit. We call down fire swords of cherubim to cut you into pieces, we declare. Fire of God to launch down from the glory pillar and to burn you into horrific and screaming agony, making a public spectacle of you thereof. In accordance with Colossians 2.15, you are disarmed in Jesus' name. And we declare in Jesus' name, an innumerable company of angels of war to descend upon you, diamond-tipped sword sharp as razor blades, diamond-covered shields of faith, helmets of salvation, feet shot in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, and warrior angels, archangels to follow, to wage war against you such as never been seen since before there was time. Unclean spirits, deaf and dumb spirits, anything that cannot call Jesus its Lord and Savior. Strong men, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we command you to come forth. We have loosed your legal rights to the peoples of the lands of Europe, even if but for a time, and we command you out now. Subordinate spirits, come forth. We decree hundreds of trillions of legions of warrior angels to descend upon you to strike you deaf, blind, and dumb, place you under arrest, and cast you into the pit. We declare the holy fire of God to weld the pit shot. We decree the holy fire of God to permeate the pit and to burn you into screaming agony, that your screams will be heard across the demonic ether, making a public spectacle of you in Jesus' name. We plead the blood of Jesus to seal the pit, for only the Lamb of God can break the seals, even if but for time, Father, in your perfect timing. Hallelujah. We declare the holy fire of God, a thorny hedge of protection, and a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit to form an, a, a, a sphere to encapsulate them on all sides. Let nothing unclean re-enter the clean-swept house. Father, sustain it, we pray, and release it, we pray, in your perfect timing. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Father, we decree the crystal river, the living water, your abundant grace into their hearts to fertilize the soil therein, that they shall receive the seeds of these prayers. These prayers will bear fruit, and the fruit will remain in accordance with the promises of John fifteen sixteen in Jesus' mighty name. Alleluia. And Father, we pray in Jesus' name for an innumerable company of angels, hundreds and hundreds of trillions of angels of light, love, compassion, and the presence of our Lord Jesus. Let them all see the man in, the, in that white robe reaching out, Lord Jesus, your presence, reaching out to each of them and calling them by their name. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that by virtue of all those who will be touched, 
by the supernatural manifestation of heaven's power, heaven's resources, and heaven's angels. That the ranks of the chosen, the ranks of the elect, the guests at the wedding supper, and even the bride of Jesus Christ will be increased beyond that which was ordained before there was time. That you, Father, may be glorified in the sacrifice of our King and our friend, Jesus Joshua, our Messiah. Forever and ever we pray, Father, may we worship you. Amen. God bless you all. See you all next Friday. Lord willing, (laughs) glory be to God. Lord, we come to you with repentant hearts. We seek you with all our might. Sinners set the mercy of grace. Redeemed we are by your embrace. Praise his holy name. Praise the King of Kings. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? For you we will endure Until you come back for your bride To set her free Write our names in your book of life We are cleansed through your holy sacrifice As we lift your name on high Renew our mind, renew our soul Remove the scars from our past And deem us righteous We rebuke all deceptive lies When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure. We are the branches on a living tree. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure. Until you come back for your bride. Set her free. Watch us as we trim our wicks. Our lamps are full. Our hearts are right. Like those five wise virgins we will be. Your bride awaits thee patiently. Blessed sound that will 
churches gather, we're praying that we're worthy, Lord, to join our family. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? We will endure, and while we wait, we will bring forth the fruit of the light of Christ. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then, we will endure until you come back for your bride to set us free.